Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Mark Cassini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I connect with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Megan Pfeiffer, Senior Product Marketer and Brand Strategist at Innovate Map. After studying industrial and product design at the University of Notre Dame, Megan began her career as a designer, first at the men's fashion brand Wolf & Shepherd. From there, Megan began her product marketing career at Innovate Map, where she finds herself today not only leading their New York office, but also co-hosting their Better Product podcast. Innovate Map is a digital product agency focusing on research, branding, marketing, and design. With core focuses in product design, product management, and product marketing and branding, Innovate Map helps clients of all sizes dream, design, and deliver digital products and services to market. They've helped a wide array of clients launch and revamp their products and brands across a number of industries, including edtech, environmental compliance, commercial real estate, talent acquisition, and healthcare, to name a few. During our chat, Megan and I dive into the relationship between product design and product marketing, how product marketing operates at a digital product agency, and why Innovate Map has put product marketing and brand on the same team. Before I get into the episode, I've got some exciting news to share from the Product Marketing Alliance. Are you wondering how to align the product marketing function at your organization? Do your internal teams have little or no understanding of what product marketing is and the benefits you bring to the fore? Are you sick of being misunderstood? Product Marketing Alliance's brand new book, Misunderstood, features first-hand knowledge, techniques, and case studies to help you demystify product marketing, elevate the function, and gain the recognition you and fellow PMMs deserve. Learn how to effectively communicate the value you bring to key processes, such as positioning, personas, segmentation, OKRs, and gain supplementary intel from the likes of Privy, G2, Hotjar, Intercom, Zendesk, Adobe, and Drift. Misunderstood is packed with takeaways that will propel the value of your role and the overall importance of the PMM function and isn't to be missed. Get your copy at pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. That's pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. All right, with that out of the way, let's do it. Hey, Megan, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? Good, thanks. Super excited to have you here today. Yeah, same. This is really fun being on the other side of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, you've, you've got tons of experience being the you know primary host or one of the co-hosts of your own show, which we'll chat about in a second here. So it must be nice to, to be on the other side. Yeah, a little less pressure, I think. Hopefully. We'll see. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. So before we get into the heart of our conversation today, I think it'd be great if you could tell our listeners a little bit more about your career so far and what you and the team do at Innovate Map. Yeah, for sure. My name is Megan Pfeiffer. I'm a senior product marketer and brand strategist at Innovate Map, which is a digital product agency. Um, so today my job consists primarily of product marketing, but I actually studied industrial design. So my background is born physical product design, or as we used to describe it, architecture for anything smaller than a house. Um, and that is when I really started to get interested in potentially fashion design and specialize in shoes. And I ended up interning for Wolf and Shepherd when they were just starting out. I still remember, you know, being in like the little beach apartment we were working out from and holding Brady Quinn's shoes that we were shipping him in my hand and being like, this is so cool. And then shortly after I decided I kind of had like an existential crisis and decided that I, I didn't want to specialize in anything, you know, as much as I loved shoes and how cool that was. Um, and so I started looking for other opportunities. And that's how I ended up getting connected with the Or Fellowship, which is an entrepreneurial fellowship based in Indianapolis. And they attract recent college grads in the business and creative fields 
to this historically more highly technical tech scene that Indy has built out of Exact Target and, and other big SaaS platforms. So when I was there, I um, I actually through or fellowship got connected to Innovate Map. So they bring these recent college grads to Indy and connect them with the local tech companies. And uh, Innovate Map was the one that fit for me. And I started there as they were building out, as we were building out um, our brand arm. And I had this design eye, I had this design background, they had already kind of decided, okay, we're going to hire um, somebody who's going to be essentially our creative director for brand, who has been um, uh, freelancing for us, Andy Kennedy, he's still there today, we still work together. And I kind of came in with him and he and I started to build out what brand Innovate Map looked like. So I was a brand designer for the first few years of my career there. And um from there, I kind of ended up transitioning to product marketing it, pretty seamlessly. At first, I would sit in on product marketing meetings uh, just to kind of take notes, you know, positioning workshops, messaging reviews, that kind of thing, just to get exposure. And then as it went on, I started having ideas and then voicing ideas in those meetings until I figured out, well, this is actually like a, a type of work that I really enjoy doing. Um, and then actually moved over from the brand side onto the product marketing side officially completely about two years ago now. So Innovate Map, you must already be thinking like, okay, they do brand, they do product marketing. Like, what is this? What else do they do? Uh, Innovate Map's a, a digital product agency. And we are an agile agency that operates kind of like a, a fractional product team. So we work mostly with startups and scale-ups to fill any gaps that they have in product or to bring in a new perspective. So we do have product marketing and product brand on one side of the house. We have UX and product management on the other side of the house, and we have research that kind of runs the gamut. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I've you know had Innovate Map on my radar ever since I came across the Better Product podcast that you co-host with some of your colleagues, and we'll we'll get to that in a second there. And I just find the work that you and the team do fascinating, not just from a creative you know aspect. I, I've seen some of the clients you worked with and some of the work that you've done, and it's you know really impressive. Uh, but just this idea of having an agency that, as you described it, which I loved as like a fractional product team that comes in with all the resources that an in-house product team and product marketing and creative team would have, and augmenting startups and scale-ups capabilities to help them go to market. Which uh, you know, as someone who's worked in an agency myself and more of a like creative and, and branding side of things, um, I just think. It's just such a unique space within, you know, an agency uh, setting to, uh, to to operate in. So I'm sure you've probably found that work, you know, really rewarding and also challenging at times. I'm sure as as it is with with being in an agency. So thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of both, rewarding and challenging for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll we'll get a little bit deeper into your design background because again, that's a part of your profile that I found super exciting and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show in the first place. But before we get into that. I'd love it if you could, as I mentioned just a second ago, give our listeners an understanding and overview of the Better Product Podcast, um, how it came up, why you why you and the team at Innovate Map really felt it was the right time or or a good opportunity to pursue podcasting. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, this I'm I'm on the other side of the podcast today. I typically host the co-host the Better Product Podcast and Better Product as an idea is something that Innovate Map has always believed and advocated for. So internally, it's kind of our mantra and, and we, it's kind of, it's gotten external since, but we believe that better product is 
marketable, valuable, and usable. And that means it resonates with both your buyers and your users, and it presents value to all of those people. So we, as Innovate Map was in the early days, I was employee number 12. We're at like 40-ish now, somewhere around there. Um, there was, we really wanted to all learn more and improve and grow. And we're just trying to like do everything we could in order to do that and looking for thought leadership and trying to find new perspectives. And there wasn't a lot out there. We found that there was a gap in the content market, um, especially for product practitioners. So nobody was really speaking to or hearing from the product practitioners. And that's who we wanted to hear from. Like that's who we want, whose opinions and perspectives that we really wanted. Um, so we started Better Product because we wanted to elevate the product practitioner to show what challenges they face, how they work together, especially across disciplines like we do in, in the agency and um, all in an effort to, to build better products. And then our show is, is really focused on that process. So what does it take to build a better product? We are increasingly unpacking this process on the show in this talk show format. It's myself, Christian Beck, who is uh, our head of growth and executive on the Innovate Map team, and our moderator and producer, Erica. And um, we continue to just interview these product leaders at leading tech companies and hear their success stories. And so our audience can kind of get an idea of who's facing the same problems, who has the same opportunities, and, and emulate some of these leaders. So I actually replaced the original co-host a couple of years ago. Um, in order to bring, because both the hosts at the time had the UX and product management background. So I came in to, to bring that product marketing and brand perspective. Yeah, I love that. It's very typical of a product marketer to insert themselves into conversations where it's important <laughs> for product marketing to participate in. So happy to see you kind of take the step uh, forward within the team and on the podcast. And, you know, if you'll allow me I just to gush for a second, I've been a big fan of the show for a while, um, even in your previous iteration with the previous host. And I think what I personally find so much enjoyable uh, about listening to it is you really get the sense of you and your co-hosts, you know, you can tell that you all work together on a regular basis. And a lot of the interesting relationship dynamics kind of show through in that. And it's like sitting, you know, in a, in a lunchroom, listening to colleagues talk about topics that they're really passionate about. And, and that passion really shines through. And I, I also really appreciate that the three of you take not just what you're doing at Innovate Map and talk about it or you know interview other product leaders, as you said, but you also have this really interesting commentary and perspective on what's happening in the tech space more broadly as it pertains to, to this idea of better product and design and product marketing. So for any listeners of this show who are looking for the next you know podcast to listen to, I can't I can't personally recommend it enough. I you know, like I said, I've been listening for a while and it's one of the ones that I always look forward to listening to. And I think I haven't had a chance to listen to it just yet because I listen to arguably way too many podcasts, probably uh, an unhealthy amount. Um, but you've got an episode about uh, Elon Musk and Twitter and, and that whole ordeal and this idea of ego and product, which I personally can't wait to, uh, to listen to uh, probably shortly after we get off this session. Yeah, that was a fun one. I'm so glad you like it and you're you're finding value in it. And even that you called out the fact that it's supposed to be more of that like lunchroom conversation because, you know, Christian and I have known each other since I started at Innovate Map. He was one of the founding members and Erica's kind of fit right in with the two of us. And um, it's always a really fun conversation to record no matter what we're talking about. And the ego and product episode is, is a really great one for sure. Yeah. And I, I think of what I love specifically about listening to you and Christian talk is I can sometimes hear the, the audio eye rolls when one of you, you know, puts out a, a maybe spicy take or, or interesting perspective. And, and it's, again, it's, 
when we're in this world of hybrid and remote work, sometimes it's it's nice to uh, to listen to a podcast where you can like feel as though you're you're witnessing this workplace dynamic and relationship play out. So so uh, I appreciate that you and your co-host were able to share that with uh, with your listeners. That's so funny. You called out the audible eye rolls. Yeah, it's great. We do I love sometimes. It. Yeah, sometimes we go back and forth. You know, each one of us trying to give a hotter take until the other one cracks under pressure, but <laughs> that doesn't yeah. always make it on the air. Oh, I can't, I can't imagine what, uh, what the cutting room floor looks like. I'm sure, uh, you know, if you ever decide to, to release a special podcast episode of, of takes that didn't make the cut, I'd love to hear it. That'd be great. So, uh, we'll, we'll keep her going here. I, you know, I mentioned briefly, um, how one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the show was your background in design. And I personally haven't had a chance to talk to really, I think any product marketers either on this show or just in conversation, um, who have that background. So I think it'd be great if you could kind of share with, with, you know, me and my own curiosity and with all our listeners, what it, about your, your background in design, you know, makes you either a better product marketer or changes your approach to product marketing in general and how you apply that design lens to product marketing projects that you take, take on with the team. Yeah, I loved this question because I actually, it, you'd think it would come really easily to me to answer this, but I had to take a little bit of time to think about it. And the conclusion that I came to is that um, a lot of product marketing, especially when you're crafting foundational statements and trying to find the exact right words and identifying those top benefits and differentiators and using thesaurus.com, you know, it's, it's all it's very analytical and you're trying to find the facts and you're trying to find the truth. And it really does use the left side of your brain a lot more than the right. That's the side that's focused on facts and logic and traditionally words. Um, But when it comes down to it, there is a bit of an art to product marketing. And especially as you move into like crafting market facing messaging and how do we pull brand voice into this and how do we, you know, maybe speak to different personas and what are they feeling? And you really do need to have a little bit more empathy and and bring a little bit more art into it at times. And I think thanks to my background in design, I find it really easy to switch back and forth between the left and the right side. So I can use the analytical side. I can find the exact right words you know, when we're setting that foundation, but then also bring in a little bit more creativity to messaging when it's called for externally. And then I think on the other side of that is that I work pretty frequently with designers, both brand designers and UX designers, and it's made me a much better communicator with them that I came from where they're coming from. Like I understand the ideas they're bringing to the table or their motivations a little bit more. And so I can kind of translate what they're saying to you know, other stakeholders, but I can also translate some of the business needs and and the stakeholder motivations back to the designers as well. Yeah, that that's super helpful. And, and you know, I, I think it actually answers the next question I was going to ask you quite nicely as well. Um, and, you know, as someone who, as I mentioned earlier, has worked in a creative setting as well, I, I, you're absolutely spot on that having that creative background, I, I can only imagine makes that level of communication with a designer that much easier. I know as someone who comes from a traditional business background or marketing background, whenever I had to give design feedback, I always felt as though I was coming from a place of like pure ignorance and pure, just subjective. Well, I think it would look better if, whereas I would imagine someone in your shoes who has a design background can kind of take it again, like almost like, as you said, like an analytical uh, view of the design and say, well, this 
doesn't work because of this, or it might work better if you tried this for this specific design reason. Um, and I, and again, I can only imagine that just makes the, the type of work that you're doing with the design team that much more effective. And again, like I said earlier, speaks to the strength of some of the work that you and the team have been able to do with some of your clients. And I'm sure they really appreciate that they have a team dedicated to them that can switch as easily as, as you kind of referenced your ability to, um, because I know for a lot of people, context switching within product marketing can be very challenging. Um, so yeah, thank you for, for that extra insight. It's always fascinating to see how designers and, and non-design roles interact with one another. Yeah, for sure. And I think the biggest thing there is that, uh, design is not art, you know, there's obviously a little bit of art in it, but design is meant to help accomplish business goals. And that's kind of like that, that North star that we're always tracking towards. Yeah, that's a great shout. And it sounds simple when you say it, but I think I think a lot of times, and I'll, maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, so I don't want to generalize, but a lot of you know traditional marketers or product marketers, they, you know, as you said, look at a design and think like, well, does this look good? Like, what's the art? What's the artistic value of this? But when you take a step back and you think, well, like, is this design helping achieve a set of goals that we as a team are trying to collectively uh, solve for our clients or achieve for our clients? It, it kind of frames you in a better light, and, and I'm sure as you said, makes those conversations and, and maybe those differences of opinion, let's say a little bit easier to, to navigate. For sure. And, and so, you know, like I said, you, you touched on this a little bit in the, in the answer just now, but I, I want to dive a little bit deeper if we can. And this idea of product marketing interfacing with a bunch of different teams at any org, right? Like typically when we think of product marketing, we think it of it as being at the center of, you know, sales, success, marketing and product. And we don't often talk specifically about the relationship between product marketing and product design. So obviously at Innovate Map, with you working so closely with product design, as you just said, how does that structure that relationship maybe look different or operate differently or, or maybe function in a different way than it would at a traditional you know, setup where product marketing isn't as exposure as hooked up to product design? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say this is definitely in line with like, how does design and how does product marketing accomplish business goals and how do we do that better together? And one example I can talk about recently was Doodle. I don't know if you know, like Doodle scheduling, Doodle. Yeah. Um, they recently came to us and by recently it was, I think uh, last year to help them go through an updated positioning, messaging and rebrand process. So we were focused, our product marketing team was focused on defining Doodle's new position in market as a professional scheduling tool. They have always been known for baby showers and barbecues and that tool you used in college. And they really did want to up-level themselves and move up market and, and change that perception and become more of that professional tool. And they had already kind of started to come up with that functionality and build that into the product. They just hadn't really changed what the market thought about them yet. And so what we did is really worked closely together as a combination of a product marketing and brand team to change that perception. And the product marketers did it with words and the product brand team did it with visuals, but we were intertwined the entire time, you know, communicating back and forth, making sure if we claim this thing, how does that show up visually? And really like, I mean, it's super easy then when you start thinking that way, like working towards the same goal for let's say product marketers and um, brand designers to collaborate. In terms of product design, that is, uh, it happens probably a little bit less, uh, definitely a little bit less in, you know, um, internally in companies that product designers and product marketers get to interact. 
because product design is concerned with users and user experience. Product marketing is focused on the buyers and the external audience that you're targeting with your product. And it's probably not news to most of your listeners that buyers and users aren't always the same people, especially in the B2B SaaS space. But a lot of times that's why those two don't really interact as much. Um, but we believe you know, at, at Innovate Map that to create a better product, you do need a deep understanding of both your buyer and your user. And persona messaging and user journeys are gonna be super tied together. Um, but even if they experience, you know, different problems, motivations, how your company responds to each should look a little bit different. Um, but still, everybody should be working towards that same goal. The biggest difference from traditional tech companies that an agency like Innovate Map um, operates as is that product marketing at traditional tech companies may or may not be a part of the conversation in the beginning or at all when building product, whereas we really want to bring product marketing in from day one. Um, a lot of companies are still defining what product marketing means and like internally in their organization. I know uh, I was at a conference recently where one of the speakers asked, you know, does product marketing in your organization fall under product or under marketing? And it was really like a 50-50 split. You know, some organizations still don't know where it fits best. Um, and then Beyond that, the teams are even siloed. Even if product is a team, product marketers and UX designers don't typically collaborate. But as an agency that has both on the team and works with both at a tech company, you have the ability to kind of bring all those people together in the same meetings, in the same room, in order to have the right conversations. Yeah, and I, I think that's such a huge advantage of, of what agencies like Innovate Map have over traditional tech is that any of the things that you just mentioned, but more specifically that the structure and that siloed nature of how product design and, and product sits away from product marketing in, in certain orgs. And, you know, I think I would love to see more tech companies almost adopt an innovate map style approach where from day one, product marketing and product design and brand design are in a room together, hashing out net new features or a net new product or service. Um, Cause you can really tell, at least I've come across a couple of companies where you see uh, and you get a feel for a product or a service based on their marketing materials and how they position and measure, message themselves on their marketing site. But then when you actually get in the product, it feels very disjointed, even down from like the, the, the palettes that are being used in the marketing site versus in product, the type of language that's being used. And you can just tell that there was no conversation or, or cross collaboration between product marketing and product and more specifically product design. And it, to me, that really can, can hurt a product. And I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that, but again, just, calling out and reinforcing this idea that uh, working with an agency like Innovate Map really allows, you know, startups and scale-ups to, to bring in a unified view that they otherwise wouldn't get if they followed a traditional, you know, tech-based or tech company structure. We just touched on the differences, obviously, between how Innovate Map is structured versus how product marketing at a traditional tech company can be structured and, you know, the differences between the two. But I'd love to get a little bit deeper into not just the structure, but how early product marketing is brought into the development of a product or service. You know, a lot of the times, or at least in my experiences from what I've seen, is that a tech company will bring in product marketing after their product or service is already in market. Even if it's in the very early days, they've already got some kind of customer base that's that's growing or emerging. Um, and product marketing tends to be a, a later hire. That's, I think, changing. More companies are being open to bringing on product marketing very early. But still, in some companies, they're coming in a lot later. At Innovate Map, I'm curious, how early is product marketing brought onto a project? 
uh, especially when the client themselves is very in the early days of their you know, product go to market uh, and may or may not have a product or service in market that they can sell. Yeah, we advocate for bringing product marketing in from day one. We truly believe that it is foundational and that product marketers should be a part of the conversation and strategy definition from the very beginning. And I think in the early days of a product, especially, it's important. And honestly, even the best time, I'm going to paint like an, an imagine a world where picture today, but like what could be better than getting everyone on the same page, repeating the same things, all aligned and moving toward the same North Star before the product is, 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 is even in market? And that doesn't pigeonhole you either. You know, like if you craft your foundational statement correctly, it won't limit what the product can do or where the product can go once it's in market. It will actually focus it. And a lot of times I think there's a learning curve when clients come to us because a lot of our founders are from industry, maybe not necessarily from product. They've found a problem in their industry that they really want to solve and they think they can solve it with the digital product and they don't know where to go to build that enter innovate map. So, but there, that does mean there is a lot of times a learning curve when it comes to all the different product functions, one of which is product marketing. And everybody knows like what a visual identity is, what a brand is. You see them all the time, but not many people, especially these founders who come from industry, uh, know the role that a good foundational statement plays in their business. And so we're always preaching to our clients that your positioning statement should actually be that North Star that sets the course for your product roadmap but not many founders really know how to take that to heart. One actually, one client of mine, um, we presented updated positioning to recently and the next meeting, the CEO came back and had annotated the foundational statement and was referring to it back to us as their product roadmap. Like he had called out, okay, like all of this is true, great. So this is where I think like, we really wanna keep focusing. This is where I think we have an opportunity to change over the next 10 years this is where I see opportunity and like presenting the foundational statement back as a product roadmap. And I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us. I guess we, we finally found somebody who gets it, you know? I am sure that must be so refreshing to hear. I, I can't imagine how many times you've probably had to explain product marketing to certain founders, um, which leads me to a bit of a follow-up question. You know, I've seen this touted and I can't remember who exactly said it on LinkedIn specifically, but this idea that oftentimes the founder is the company's first product marketer and they don't even know that um, to be true until you kind of present that to them. So I'm curious in the clients that you've worked with, or maybe just even in your experiences in industry, have you found that to be somewhat true or do you find that you're spending a lot more time or in more cases than not, you're having to explain what product marketing is to an extent and the value of it brings and why you have product marketers, you know, on staff at the agency, um, as opposed to traditional, you know, marketing generalist or having no product marketers at all. Yeah. I think I saw the same poster talking about it, the CEO being the first product marketer. And I actually think that that can be true without that founder knowing that they are the first product marketer. If you know what I mean, like that founder, obviously, in order to found the company has had to identify a piece of the market, figure out who the audience for that market is, what is the problem you're solving? How am I solving it? How am I like, you know, what are the features and benefits, etc. They've had to do all that kind of on their own, especially if they don't come from product, they're definitely not going to refer to it as product marketing. And so in that case, I think even though they are coming to us with like essentially a draft foundational statement or draft positioning, um, 
they still don't really know what to call it or how important it is. So that's where a lot of our education comes in. And that's where like introducing things like frameworks and ways of uh, creating and activating that positioning really comes in handy. Yeah, I, I bet. And I would think it's a bit of a catch 22 in a way, uh, you know, I, having a founder who has done all that legwork and has gone through the, the exercise of obviously, you know, like you said, doing the positioning work, but not necessarily realizing they're doing it as they've done it. Um, it's good because some of that work has already started and it's, it, there's a good foundation to build upon in sometimes, but I think at the same time too, it does insert a little bit of founders bias, especially when product marketing is brought in either through an agency like innovate map or just in-house at a later date. And they're having to maybe put some, some pressure on that thinking and maybe reassess or reevaluate the initial approach and question or poke holes in it or come back and present, Hey, you thought maybe you should have been positioned as this, but in fact, based on insight X, Y, Z and research that we've conducted, you should actually be positioning yourselves as something slightly different. Um, and I'm curious, have you had clients where you had to do that? And, and has there been a lot of pushback to that repositioning? Like, have you ever had a client come in for a certain kind of work and then you come back to them maybe after doing some discovery and some deep thinking and presented them with a positioning um, or foundational statement that is quite different from what they originally came to you with? Oh, yeah. Uh, and I assume you asked me that because you've also worked for an agency. And so there's always pushback and there's always hot takes being made. Um, so I'm trying to think of specific examples, but absolutely have has a client come to us um, kind of in, in two different forms. In one, they're like, look, we've been saying these things out in market for a while now. We know we have something great, but whatever we're saying just isn't resonating. And so we need and want you all to help us, you know, refresh this positioning. And we don't care if it's a complete 180. Um, it, well, obviously, like not as applied to the product, like if they think they have a good product, product staying the same, but we don't care if like you blow up the way that we're talking about it today, um, if it's going to accomplish what we needed to accomplish because we trust you. Those are the best kind of clients. There are some, uh, you know, every once in a while, there's one that comes to us and they're really confident in the way that they're talking or the category that they're supposed to be in. And we'll we'll come back and say, well, actually, we think you would be able to compete much better in this category. And here's why. Um, and then there are other times and that clients come to us and they want to create a category and we're like, don't even try, you know, like don't, don't touch that. Um, so yeah, it's, there's, you know, variety is the best part of working in an agency. And it's also probably the most challenging part. And there have been a lot of, of different challenging experiences. I love that. And I think of actually, again, clearly outing myself as someone who spends too much time on LinkedIn. I saw a, a post, I can't forget who, again, uh, so apologies to who wrote it, but this idea of like red flags as a product marketer when you're starting at a new company. And I think one of them that got a lot of traction was this idea of we're creating a new category and we need you to drive that effort. It's just like everybody wants to hop on the new category creation train. I don't know whoever came up with this idea of category creation. I'm sure there's someone that I should know that I'm blanking on. But it's really just, I think, gotten a way more attention than it probably um, not necessarily deserved. But it, it's become this thing that I think every company thinks that they can and therefore should do uh, when it's really not something that you want to necessarily touch with a 100 foot pole, depending on depending on your org and the industry that you're already in. Yeah, we could honestly record an entire episode just about like a rant about category creation. I think it's like sometimes 
it is fair. And sometimes it makes sense. And sometimes a product is groundbreaking enough that it needs its own category. Most of the time, it's like the lazy person's way of differentiating. That's my hot take for this episode. You know, it's like, because I mean, I get it. The market has become so saturated. There are so many different products in every category. And it's really, really hard on a product marketer to find unique ways to differentiate. But you can, and you don't need to create a new category all the time in order to do it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Differentiation and category creation are two completely different things. And to your point, you know, sometimes you should be just happy to have a differentiated product within an already existing category. As long as that differentiation is enough for you to take market share and, and generate value for your customers, that in and of itself is a win. You shouldn't forego that in the uh, chase of, of a net new category if you don't need it. All right. So I, I just want to quickly take a step back and, and dig, dive a little bit deeper into something that we were chatting about earlier in this idea of, again, like interacting with founders that have an idea of what their positioning statement should be. And you're coming back at them with something that's slightly different. At Innovate Map, is there a general framework that you use and apply to positioning and foundational statements that allow you to somewhat objectively assess whether or not it is, in fact, correct or whether or not it should be perhaps improved upon or, or evolved? Um, and, and of course, you know, share whatever you can, because I, I know you don't want to give away anything uh, you know, too specific to, to what Innovate uh, makes Innovate Map special, but whatever you can share, I think our, our listeners would really appreciate, especially those who find themselves in orgs that are looking to potentially go down a repositioning exercise themselves. Yeah, absolutely. We do have a few different frameworks we use. I'm not going to spill any secret sauce, but I can uh, talk about the rubric that we use and like we call them the, the keys to effective positioning. So we use that as we are crafting new foundational statements and benefit pillars for our clients. And then we actually show it to them in the draft reviews, in the final reviews. And we say, okay, as you are evaluating the drafts that we're about to present you, you need to be thinking about these key things so that you're thinking about your feedback and evaluating them in the right way. So we call them the keys to effective positioning. The first is that it should be simple. So you should be avoiding any exaggerated or meaningless claims. So we're not going to be saying anything like world's best in the foundational statement. Uh, the second is that it should be relevant. You should address your customer's most important pains. So you're not like talking about something all the way over here when they're, you know, on the other side of the world. Um, it should be repeatable. It should be short enough that people can pick it up pretty easily and everyone like gets to repeat it, gets consistently, gets on that same page. Everyone's like saying the same things, rallied around it. And finally, it, this seems pretty obvious, but it should be unique. It should claim something that no one else is claiming, especially one of your competitors. And the bonus one I always throw in is that it should be true, which means something different than I think it should be factual. So obviously it should be factual. We know that. But in order for it to be true, that's like a little bit more subjective. So it's not just the facts. You should be claiming something that feels true to who you are as a company. So we actually talked about this um, recently with a client where we were like, look, you all like what we're saying right now is factual for sure. But if it doesn't feel true to you, like if this feels like a slightly different company than who you are, then we need to revisit this and find another way to say it. Thanks for sharing that. I, I think that's so incredibly helpful. It's nice. It's concise. You know, it's simple, like the first pillar in and of itself. So I think oftentimes with product marketing, we get caught up on what's the newest and hottest framework that such and such, you know, product marketing thought leader has put forward or, oh, this, this, you know, company that 
talks about how great a product marketing they are, release this framework and this, you know, way to come up with new positioning. And I think it's great to use those frameworks as a, as a reference point and as a jumping off point, but I love the simple and effectiveness of that rubric that you just shared. Cause it's, it's kind of you know, really straight to the point. It's hard to, I would imagine like pick apart and really, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe you have some clients that are a little bit more, uh, maybe challenging is not the right word, but are willing to, to, to fight on uncertain things um, versus others. But it, it's kind of, uh, inarguable in a, in a way, because like, again, like the pillars themselves are so objective and so simple that I, I can imagine it makes it taking something as complicated and as again, subjective to a degree, um, positioning and really makes it, um, a much easier, let's say if positioning in and of itself can be easy in any way, um, of an experience than if you didn't have the rubric. The feedback is great when the rubric is followed. The feedback gets a little all over the place when we forget the rubric exists, I would say. But yeah, you're right. I bet. I bet. Awesome. So at Innovate Map, you know, product marketing and brand sit really close together, obviously. Uh, you know, and going through the site, you've got a team that's product marketing and brand literally together. So you've got brand experts, you've got product marketers um, working very closely every single day. Um, I'm curious what the relationship between product marketing and brand looks like and where you kind of draw the line between work that product marketing should be driving or work that the brand team should be should be uh, driving or, or where the overlap exists and how you kind of navigate that. Because I can imagine maybe sometimes the lines get a little bit blurred. They do. And it's actually kind of a little bit where the magic happens. So we're all in the same kickoffs and discovery meetings. Um, and we're all working towards that same goal, which is setting a foundation for our client. And part of that foundation is the words. And that's what the product marketing team is focused on. And part of that foundation is the visuals. So the way that we really think they come together is that positioning is that foundation that drives some of the decisions we make with brand. So it's not really a one-to-one translation or relationship. It's really hard um, though to define, let's say a brand idea well, without a solid understanding of who you are, who you serve and what benefits your product offers. So you really have to be able to explain um, that very, you know, the the core truth of who you are as a company and what you do before you can try to figure out what you look like. Because a big part of that is, is the audience as well. I think the target audience is probably where we overlap the most. So trying to define them, trying to understand them, product marketing is focused on what they want to hear and brand is focused on what they want to see. And then really coming together when we, I mean, even in like brand concept presentations, um, we'll have a product marketer writing all of the messaging for that's going into these brand concept screens that we show. I think that's really a really smart way to go about it. You know, and and again, in in working at an agency myself, even ever so briefly, you know, we didn't have a product marketing arm at the time and product marketing wasn't nearly as prominent as it is today when I was back at the agency. But I think it absolutely makes sense to layer on that piece of when you're seeing this, you know, new brand identity and you're showing your client concepts to have messaging that would actually bring that brand to life in that creative, I'm sure just makes it that much easier for the client to really pick an idea or land an idea that they feel resonates with them and what they think their customers resonate. So it just, I would imagine just makes those concepts that much more effective. And I like this idea of, again, having that close collaboration because it is really hard to differentiate between product marketing and brand in a lot of different ways. Um, and that's a theme that came up actually in a conversation I had on the show with, with Mark Huber at Metadata 
And his org is kind of structured in the same way where he's, you know, the head of brand and product marketing for really some of the exact same reasons that you just mentioned now. So I think I would imagine more and more, uh, you know, tech companies are going to come become wise to this and, and kind of meld their brand and product marketing teams uh, together and, and hopefully have a unified, uh, as you said, like this, this visual identity of what the brand looks like and then product marketing, bringing this layer of like, okay, this is what the brand's going to look like. And then we'll, this is what the brand's going to say. Uh, sorry. I kind of like that distinction. It's nice and clean. Well, this has been, this has been great, Megan. I, I'm, I'm, I know I could chat with you a lot longer again. I, like you said, I would love to, uh, to either continue chatting with you on a future episode about um, category creation, or maybe even, um, you know, you can take that and steal that for the better product show and chat about that with your, with your co-hosts. I'm sure there'd be some interesting takes. Uh, so it's an episode I would love to listen to if you ever decide to go down that road. But anyway, be- before I let you go, I would uh, love to ask you last, my last question is what I ask all of my guests. Um, and that's if you could be a product marketer at any company in the world for any product or service they offer, what company and solution would you choose and why? So I know you ask all your guests this, and I've thought about it for a really long time. And this is going to sound like a lame cop-out, and that's the last thing I want to sound like, but I could not land on a single company. And I'll tell you why is I think that um, I'm always going to want variety. So I don't know if I'd ever go in-house at any point in time. I'll probably, you know, be in an agency my whole life or now actually VC firms um, are starting to think about what it looks like to bring a product team in-house to service all their portfolio companies. So that is one thing that I've thought about, like, actually it could be really cool to be on the cutting edge of a product in a VC firm and, and what would that look like? So that's probably my best answer. I mean, if I was going to pick one company, I'd probably want to go somewhere that just has a big mess on their hands, you know, so that, that I'd have enough to do, I think. Um, but so, you know, maybe I'll give Meta a call or something, but uh, otherwise that's, Sorry if that's a lame answer, but no, not at all. Spoken like a, a true agency pro, right? I think that's why a lot of people get into an agency setting is for that variety, as you said, and to tackle big, messy, hairy problems. And you know, I obviously the work that you and Innovate Map uh, do shows that your innate ability to, to to tackle those kinds of problems and and you know work with a variety of clients. So it makes perfect sense as to why you you, you did that and. I haven't heard VCs kind of going down that road. I think that's really fascinating and I could definitely see value in them doing that and kind of having like an in-house product rescue team as it were, or, or product launch team to help, uh, you know, new companies in their portfolio, get things started or off the ground or, or maybe clean up some messes of themselves. So I, I think that'd be really cool. And I can definitely see the value of some of your experiences would bring to a setting like that. So I think that's a perfect answer. Well, like I said, this has been great, Megan. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Like I said, Super big fan of the Better Product uh, podcast. Can't recommend it enough to anybody listening uh, right now. Uh, check it out if you got the time. Uh, but before I let you go, outside of obviously the work that you're doing at Innovate Map and the uh, the Better Product show and, and broader community, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you, either you know in a professional context to maybe you know bring on Innovate Map uh, as an agency of choice, or just to chat about all things brand and product marketing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Feel free to find me on LinkedIn. I'm also based in New York. So if we get to chatting, I always love to meet up for, for drinks and coffee. Um, you can see some of my work and the rest of Innovate Maps work on our website at innovatemap.com. That's also where you can reach out about potentially partnering with us as well as just directly to me on LinkedIn works as well. And I know, Mark, you've mentioned Better Product a ton. Um, 
this, this episode, but Erica will yell at me if I don't as well. So like Mark said, check out the podcast, but also the community. If you want to join conversations with other product professionals, that's product marketing, design, product management, all in one place. You can find us at betterproduct.community and join our Slack workspace. Yeah, it's a great community to join. I've kind of been lurking for a while. I participated in a couple of conversations, but it's just, it's interesting. I think at times, you know, as product marketers, we we like to find other product marketers because it's such a new space and there's a lot of new product marketers being minted every single day and, and companies are really waking up to the value of product marketing. But sometimes it's nice to get out of the product marketing echo chamber and talking to other product professionals, whether they be product managers or product designers, um, to, to get that kind of broader perspective. So yeah, I can't encourage that enough. Even if you're an active uh, PMA community member, there's no reason why you can't uh, join other communities, uh, specifically the better product community to get that uh, additional perspective and lens to, uh, I'm sure some of the problems that uh, you might be facing in your day to day and that others are experiencing themselves. So can't recommend that enough either. Awesome, thank you. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.